Sports are such a big part of all of our lives, from the big plays to the unforgettable games. They continue to inspire us in unimaginable ways. But what happens to the athletes, the warriors and heroes of our time, when the game is finally over and the sport they love and worked their entire lives pursuing greatness at continues on without them? How do they cope with the transition? How do they find purpose, reclaim their identity, and work towards a vision of the future? As a former professional athlete, playing in the NFL for eight seasons, I know the unique challenges that these athletes face. On this podcast, these athletes will share their stories and how they navigate life beyond the game. What's up, everyone? Welcome to Life Beyond the Game. For this first episode, I am going to do a solo cast and dive into my story and share a little bit about my story and journey through football, through professional athletics, and the transition. Uh, My intention for this podcast is to bring on former professional athletes to share their stories and their journey, um, you know, through sports and then through the transition. Um, as a, a former NFL player, I've gone through it myself. This is uh, my third year out of the league and it comes with its own unique challenges. And it was definitely something that I was unprepared for, uh, when I went through it. Um, so yeah, I'll get into my story and share a little bit about what I'm working on now. So I played college football at University of Nevada, Las Vegas. Um, got drafted in 2010 in the fourth round by the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, it was a dream come true. Um, you know, hearing my name called on draft day was truly a childhood dream come true. Um, Very grateful for that experience. I worked really hard to get there, Um, especially coming from a small school like UNLV. It was really something I was proud of. Um, But then I made it to the NFL uh, my rookie year, and it was just a a completely different challenge. It it challenged me in ways that I didn't even think I was capable of. you know, especially coming from a school like UNLV and then, you know, college seasons are only 12 games long. Um, and then if you go to a bowl game, I didn't go to a bowl game my entire career. I didn't redshirt either. So I was really young. I think I just turned I was like 21 when I got drafted. So to go to, a, you know, one of the better teams in the league at the time, uh, they had a really good offensive line. Uh, I was 21 years old and, you know, there's a bunch of, bunch of 30-year-old grown men with families and it was super competitive. That was one of the difficult things about it. Um, going up against some of the best players in the world every single day, um, really questioned my, my resolve and my, my mental capacity and and my belief in myself, you know, feeling like I belonged there. Um, a little bit of an imposter syndrome. Um, it was really hard on the body and, you know, a lot of people talk about the rookie wall and, um, yeah, I definitely went through probably a couple of them. Um, and another thing is I went to UNLV because I was really, um, I wanted to play right away. I didn't like sitting on the sidelines. 
And so, you know, getting drafted in the NFL for the Falcons, I spent my entire rookie year on the sidelines as a backup. That was different for me. Um, felt like I wasn't really contributing to the team. So there's a lot of different layers to that. Um, finally, saw my first action my second year. And um, yeah, I think I'm going to go through my whole story here. Trying to think of whether I should share how much detail I should share about the actual playing days, but I guess it's uh, it's relevant. It's a pretty cool story. I went through a lot of ups and downs um, throughout my career. So my second year, finally um, saw the field. Started at center the first three games. Our starting center was a fifth, fourteen-year vet, thirteen-year vet at the time. And um, he was hurt to start the season and they drafted me to replace him. So I was told that if I played well, that would be my job to have and I'd be off to the races. And I thought I'd have my own long, long 13, 14 year career myself. Um, But that wasn't the case. As soon as he was healthy, they gave him the job back, which was really confusing to me. That was the first time in the NFL. I realized, you know, it's, there's a, there's a lot of, politics. There's a lot of trust. Like the, the team needs to be able to trust you. That's why a lot of these guys that get paid money in second contracts is because they can be trusted to be out there. And Whatever it was, they didn't trust me. I was still young, trying to figure it out. So they gave the job back to him. Our right guard ends up getting hurt. So I end up playing the rest of the year at right guard, like the final nine games. Um, so in 2000, that's 2011. We go into the playoffs, play the Giants. Um, the year they went to the Super Bowl and we kind of got shut out on offense. Um, and I didn't play very well. The offense didn't play very well. And it was okay though, because that year, uh, the starting center, the 14 year vet, um, by the name of Todd McClure was supposed to retire and it was the final year on his contract. And, you know, I was drafted to replace him. So in my mind, I would move on over to center position and it would be my time to shine. And that was when I got a real big wake up call going into that off season of my third year. Uh, we ended up drafting with our first pick uh, in the draft that year, which was the second round pick, but it was our first pick because we traded that first round pick to get Julio Jones the year before. Uh, but we selected a, the best center in the, end of, or in the draft. And um, that was a huge surprise to me. And there's only so many spots on NFL teams. So yeah, I mean that, that, was like the rug was pulled out from under me. I, I felt very betrayed. Um, I didn't know. Nobody communicated that with me. Um, and that led me going into training camp that year with this just bad attitude. I was playing the victim. I was blaming other people. I thought I wasn't given a fair shot. Um, and that really affected my play on the field. And almost didn't make the team that year going into, at the end of training camp. And um, actually had such a bad training camp and they drafted him. They actually ended up signing back Todd to a, a one-year deal as well. So I went from thinking I was going to be the starter and have my own long 10-year career to them signing back the veteran and drafting a center. So I felt like like a big piece of shit pretty much. Like I wasn't good enough. Um, Barely made the team. I didn't dress the entire year. Um, I was on the sidelines, not even as a backup, but in my street clothes. 
And that really affected me, affected my mentality, my, uh, my emotional state, um, went into and dealt with some depression. Um, I'd come home from practice and, and go drinking, have a few beers consistently every night. Um, just trying to numb out the thought of not being good enough and, and kind of not given the, the right opportunity. Um, and that kind of all came to a head my third year when, um, I never forget. It was the day after Christmas. We played the Lions. I was asked to stay home that week, not even travel. And I kind of saw the writing on the wall and they called me into the coach's office. And we were, I think, 12 and one at the time or 13 and one, a couple games left in the season, about to be the number one seed in the playoffs. And they called me up to the office and they told me that they were going to cut me. And in that moment, I was sitting there. It was the first time I was just completely filled with regret. I realized in that moment that I was going to be on the streets without a job, squandered this opportunity, this dream of playing in the NFL, becoming a starter. Um, and, and the problem was I wasn't taking responsibility for, for where I was at. And I, I realized in that moment, I'm the one that got me into this situation all these other guys, this whole entire team is going to continue on without me. And nobody's going to even blink an eye because I see it happen all the time. Guys come in, guys get cut. And, you know, sometimes it's surprising when guys get cut, but it's out of your mind the next day and you're just on. It's just part of the job. So going through that experience was really tough, but it was a huge wake-up call. And um, for whatever reason, fate had it that... Um, you know, they, they ended up putting a, one of the, f the fifth or sixth string receivers on IR that, that week. And I had a conversation with the coaches, um, basically telling them how I felt and you know, asking for one more chance. And they ended up keeping me. Um, and as the 53rd man on the roster, for those of you who don't know, uh, there's 53 men on the roster. So they basically told me I'm starting from the bottom. I'd have to work my way back up. And so I go into my fourth year and I'm, I'm I spent that entire off season, just gung ho, like new mindset, new Joe showing up to work each day. Everybody's telling me how good I'm doing. The, the scouts are coming up to me like, man, you're like, you're working your ass off. Keep it up, man. And at this time, Todd had finally retired. And so it was a competition at the starting center position between me and this this uh, first pick we had the, the year prior competing for the center spot. And I, I felt so good, so confident. I was in the weight room every day, like not taking any shit from anybody. Like I was doing extra. I was focused on me. And that, that moment just switched my whole mindset and went into training camp that year. And I had the best training camp of my life. Um, it was also my fourth year, which is my free agent contract year. So I really wanted to get an opportunity to get out there so I can make some money by becoming a starter and, and finally returning, turning my, my career around and go through training camp. I'm in the second string position, but it's an open competition. And we go into week one after training camp, I felt like I outplayed, you know, the guy in front of me. Um, even other players are coming up to me like, why aren't you out there? And they just didn't say anything to me. They just gave the starting role to him. And uh, that hurt, but it, it felt made me sick to my stomach and it, it, and I had a choice when that happened was, you know, go back into that victim mindset, point the finger, go home, start drinking again, 
or use it as fuel. And so I decided to show up and just keep working hard, keep my head down, showing up each day, showing that I'm, I'm there to, to prove myself to work. And I had that attitude all through the year. And, it, and some weeks it was, it was way more difficult than others. But finally, week nine, we weren't having a very good year as a team. And that guy wasn't playing very well. So week nine came around. They called me up and I said, Joe, you know, get ready this week. You're gonna, you're gonna, we're going to give you a chance to start on Sunday. And so I played the final seven games of that year and balled out, played really well. And uh, because I had such an up and down career with the Falcons, um, I was ready to hit free agency and I was really excited that I got a chance to get some film out there. I knew that a couple other teams would want me. Um, And I was just ready for a new opportunity, a fresh start. And I went into free free agency that year, got some interest from a couple other teams and since I played so well in those final seven games, the Falcons ended up offering me um, a two-year, six million dollar deal, uh, which is, you know, pretty pretty amazing. And they were going to give me the starting role. So I finally, I signed that deal. Went back to the Falcons, and my fifth year of my career, I finally made it. I was going to be the opening day starter, starting center for the Atlanta Falcons. Went through all of these ups and downs, and finally made it out there. And week four of that season uh, blew my right knee out. ACL, MCL, meniscus, the total just blasted it, um, which was devastating. But, you know, I showed up and I knew it was another challenge, another road bump, another lesson to learn from. And... You know, I went to work, got the surgery. It was an 11-month recovery. Um, so it was basically going to take me up to basically training camp the following year, maybe week one. Um, and it was hard. It was a hard road back. Uh, once you have a major injury like that, it really affects your, your mental state. I mean, I had never had surgery up to that point. And um, yeah, it really, really took its toll. and. You know, the rehab process was not easy. Um, For those of you that have had ACL and MCL at the same time, um, surgically repaired, they're contradictory rehabs. MCL, you're supposed to immobilize. The ACL, you're supposed to move and get your range of motion back as quick as possible. And it created a lot of uh, of problems. And But I pushed through, finally came back. uh, They eased into it. That, That year, the whole coaching staff got fired. And... Uh, that's when Dan Quinn, Kyle Shanahan came in with a new offense. And I was really excited because I had this new opportunity that I was asking for, this fresh start, fresh set of eyes on me, um, ready to, to show them that I was, I was committed. I was ready to, to be their guy. And they loved the way I played. I was a perfect fit for Kyle Shanahan's offense. And I show up to training camp. My knees, you know, still, this is like nine, 10 months. It's an 11 month recovery. So I go into training camp. Training camp lasts between six and eight weeks before the week one, the game of the season. And they slowly kind of ease me back in. Um, I get a couple reps during practice. And then I play in the preseason games. Felt like I played really well. Um, didn't have as many reps because they're trying to take it easy on my knee. And I'll never forget. There was one day I went out there and they're like, hey, we're going to give you a full workload today. See if you can push your knee. See how it feels. It was really hot. It was my first time really 
getting out there and pushing it and it hurt. Like I was, I was probably at 80% at this time and they could tell I was limping. I was, you know, you could see in my body language that it, it was, it was hurting really bad. And it was only a couple of days after I just played a preseason game. It was swollen. And I didn't know at the time, but I guess that was a, a kind of a day where they were really looking at me and seeing if I could do it. So, you know, after training camp, the final cuts, uh, I get a call on Sunday night. I, usually the final cuts after the last preseason game are on Friday and Saturday. So I made it to Sunday. So I was like, okay, I'm not getting cut. That's good. Uh, but I get a call on Sunday from my, my O-line coach. And he says, Joe, we're going we're gonna to start with this other guy at center. Uh, you're going to be the backup, you know. And I was like, okay. Like, I've been through this before. It's nothing new for me. I'm going to show up. My knee is going to continue to get better and they'll realize that I'm the better option at some point. Just have to keep showing up and working. Um, going to work that Monday, ready to, you know, prove myself once again. And, um, go through the whole day, uh, drive home. Um, and then I get a call after I drove all the way back to Buckhead, which is like 45 minute drive into the city. I get a call from one of the scouts. He says, Joe, coach wants to see you, bring your playbook. And for those of you that know, that is basically code for you're about to get released. So grab all my stuff, drive back up to Flowery Branch, um, talk to my agent. He's like, yeah, they're about to release you. And you know, I went up there and I, I tried to get him to tell me why I, I felt, I felt once again, felt betrayed. Um, they kind of, they told me I was a perfect fit all off season. And I knew it was cause of my, cause of my knee, and they didn't think I could handle it and they didn't want that liability. Um, but they didn't say any of that. They just were really kind of cold blooded. They're like, you know, you're just, we're going to go in a different direction. And that was it. So I went home, um, you know, the unfortunate thing that they waited till Monday to release me is all the, the rosters were set uh, on all other 31 teams. So there wasn't a lot of opportunities, um, especially for starters, starting roles. Um, and so I called my agent and we came up with a plan. You know, people always get hurt. People go down constantly. We'll just wait for an opportunity to open up and then we'll, we'll get you on a roster. So had a few teams called, not a ton of interest. Um, but my offensive coordinator from the Falcons the year prior, Dirk Cutter, went down to Tampa Bay. He saw that I got released, and they were looking for a backup that could play guard and center. Um, so he calls me up, and he, he lets me know that they, they have a spot for me. It's in a backup role, um, but they'd love to have me. So I go down there, and we discuss uh, the terms, and it's pretty much a minimum deal. I was getting paid minimum salary, all my money that I worked hard for, I didn't get that, that two years, $6 million deal since they released me. I didn't, uh, I didn't get half of it, uh, just like that, not guaranteed. Um, so I go back, I go down to Tampa. Uh, they offer me a minimum deal, but it has a bunch of escalators to basically my playtime uh, incentive bonuses that if I end up playing and becoming a starter, I'll make starter money, basically the same amount of money I would be making in Atlanta. And but I'd have to be playing like 90% of the snaps 
And there was like a lot of different small print in the escalators that were going to make it really difficult to hit. But it's the only opportunity I had. So I ended up going down to Tampa. And, you know, it wasn't a fresh start I was looking for right off the bat. Um, but it was an opportunity. So I went down there. It was, I got to say this, Tampa Bay is one of the hottest places on earth. Um, it probably took a few years off my career just playing down there. But um, it was cool. I went down there week two of the season. I think this was 2015. And, um, you know, they asked me if my knee was right to, to, to be a backup to dress in the game. We were playing the Saints uh, week two. And I was like, yeah, I don't even know most of my teammates' names. Um, I know Jameis Winston's rookie year as the quarterback. Um, he doesn't know who I am. A couple of the vets, you know, know me from playing a while that I played on the Falcons, but it's a really young team. Nobody really knows who this, this guy is. I just came in. I got there on Wednesday. And so I'm dressing for the game on Sunday. And first play of the second half, the starting center rolls his ankle and he's out for six weeks. Um, so I go in there. Jameis comes up to me. He's like, all right, dude, let's do this. And I go out there and I just ball out. Uh, you know, I played with so much confidence. I, I was, you know, looking to the right. I was in a similar offense, which is a good, good thing. Like the offense that Dirk brought from Atlanta. It was a lot of the same concepts. The terminology was shifted around a little bit because it was a different O-line coach. So I was actually turned into like my right guard, Ali Marpet. He's a rookie. I'm like, I'm saying you know, these calls from different systems and he has no idea what I'm saying. And then I got Logan Mankins to my left who he's like a 10 year vet at this time. So he understands whatever I say, he actually gets it just cause he knows. And, uh, but I don't even know a lot of these guys names. Like I knew, uh, Logan because I looked up to him when he was playing with the Patriots. Um, but I just, I just played my, played my ass off. I like competed. I, I ran downfield after the ball. I, you know, just gave that extra effort and everybody was like, damn, who is this kid? And, um, ended up playing in the next two years, started 30 games in a row and hit all of my escalators. And, you know, it's just fascinating how sometimes when we think that we can view something as such a, a terrible experience or, go in the tank turns out to be such a blessing in disguise. And I, I totally believe that's what happened when I got cut from Atlanta and ended up going down to Tampa because it was so beautiful having a, a second opportunity to play for a different team, have a fresh start. Um, I showed up there and, and that first impression of me playing my ass off and getting that opportunity, everybody like kind of looked up to me on the team and I became a leader in that locker room and a veteran presence uh, where in Atlanta, I always felt like I was the young rookie trying to prove myself. And it was really beautiful. Um, I went into my eighth year, uh, ended up losing my starting job for the fifth time in my career. I ended up moving Ali Marpet over to center. And, you know, at, at that time, my, my body was definitely starting to break down my shoulders, my, my, my bulging disc in my neck. Um, Obviously, my ACL, MCL, all my surgery, I have bone spurs in both my ankles. I dislocated my kneecap twice the year prior. Um, so I was just dealing with a ton of injuries. Uh, went in, had to compete for my starting job again, lost it. And I remember a moment in, my, in that first game of my eighth season, and I was in my street clothes as an inactive once again, and watching the opening kickoff, 
and getting the offense ready, kind of cheering them on, making sure Allie's good to go at center because he's new to the position and kind of watch them take the field. And I'm, I'm in, you know, stay behind in my street clothes. And for the first time in my entire career, I just was, was okay with not being out there. I was content. And I realized in that moment, like, this is it. Like, this is going to be my last year playing football. I just, I don't, I don't, I don't want to, I don't, I don't, I felt called for something else. Like deep in my heart, I just knew that it's, the game is just too difficult and having to continue to prove myself, I was just tired of it. And I was really looking forward to a new challenge, to a new opportunity and to really experience the freedom from the game for the first time. Uh, so I went through that whole year, um, most of the year on the sideline and I was trying to stay in shape in case the team needed me and they called them my number. Um, I wouldn't let them down. Uh, but I knew that that year I was, I was kind of, I was going to call it quits after the season. And, you know, as fate would have it, it's kind of beautiful. Um, ended up having an opportunity to play, um, before that moment came. And I think it was like week, I don't know, 11 or 12. There's like six, six games left. Uh, two guys end up going down, um, with season ending injuries on the offensive line. And I knew that the following week I'd be asked to start at center uh, for the final five games of the year. And I went into that really nervous because I, you know, in the NFL during the season, uh, the practices get considerably kind of less intense as the year goes along because there's only so many numbers of guys. You only have a two deep. So you got the starters and you got the backups and the backups are doing the scout team. But, you know, the guys are playing 60, 70 plays a game. They go into the following week on Wednesday in practice and they have to try and get their bodies back, right? So that's an accumulative effect. So as the season goes on, your body just starts breaking down so that the practices get less intense and less intense and it's more kind of walk through speed. So I wasn't playing in the games. Practices were getting you know, less intense. So I I was really worried about if I was in good enough shape, if I was going to be able to compete, if I still had what it took to perform at a high level. Um, And a lot of, I got hit with a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety, a lot of pressure, a lot of performance anxiety. My knees were hurting. And so I went into that final uh, five games that I think it was the fifth, the last game, um, went into practice that week. I went into the doctors to ask for some pain pills to, to help with my knees. Um, I was dealing with a lot of, a lot of anxiety, like more, like more intense than I've ever dealt with in my entire life. Like whether I was going to be embarrassed on national TV playing the green Bay Packers that year, that week, um, in, in Lambeau. And at, on a personal note as well, I was going through a pretty big breakup with my fiance at the time. Um, the woman I thought I was going to marry, we ended up having our issues and ended up going through kind of months of the cycle, ended up calling that off as well. Um, so I was going through a big breakup. I was going through a lot of this performance, anxiety and pressure, uh, felt like I was out of shape. Um, was unsure if I was gonna be able to compete. And then I was taking these anti-inflammatory medications, um, to help with my body and my knees and the pain. And all of that accumulated into and manifested into this, this 
sickness and I've never had my, my stress and anxiety level like manifest physically in such an acute way. Uh, but I showed up on Saturday uh, to do the walkthrough before we got on the plane to go to Green Bay and I just was deathly ill. Felt like I got the stomach virus. I was throwing up, you know, shitting, like just sharp pains in my gut. And it just, I felt like weak, like couldn't, couldn't move. Uh, so they gave me an IV and said, okay, we're going to try and hydrate you and get you through this and get you to play on Sunday. It's like, okay. So I ended up having one of the longest nights of my life. I got on the plane. We went to, uh, went to Green Bay. I woke up like every hour getting an IV. One of the, the medics would come over, give me an IV every night or every hour on the hour. Um, probably had like four or five IVs that night. Um, and into the morning, didn't sleep much. Um, had to get up and go to the bathroom every hour as well. Um, end up just feeling worse and worse. Um, so I end up missing the game, get to the stadium. And I'm like, guys, I can't play. I'm not going to be able to play. Um, I just, I just don't feel good enough. Um, I mean, I was curled up in front of my locker. It was that bad. I could barely stand. Um, so, you know, the fourth string center or whoever it was ended up starting that game. And I was on the sideline and, you know, towards the end of the game, after it was over, I kind of started feeling better. And I was like, damn, um, you know, and I thought it was just a, a stomach thing, stomach virus, stomach flu ended up, um, kind of lasting for another few days. So I ended up going to uh, the doctors to get a scope down my throat to take a picture because I had a sneaky suspicion that it was an ulcer and ended up finding out I burned two whole, two ulcers in my stomach and that's what was causing all of that. And so, you know, from the culmination of going through the breakup, all the stress and anxiety I was causing myself, uh, burned two holes in my stomach from all the stress. And you know, for those of you that don't know how, you know, intense playing in the NFL is, um, and how much pressure is put on you and put on by yourself as well. Like these, you know, high achieving individuals, like I put so much pressure on myself to perform and, you know, there's always people judging you, the media, the fans, you know, especially with social media, like if you have a bad game, you, people will let you know. And so all of that kind of weighed down on me and I'm getting the right kind of medication, taking care of it. Um, going into the next week, same thing, had to show up. I was the starter. I was feeling better from the ulcers, had the right kind of medication and still in the back of my mind was like questioning if I was good enough to do this. Um, and this is where the beautiful part comes in. You know, I go out there those final four games and I end up playing the best, the best football of my life. Um, I locked down the nose guards. I, I was just, I was blocking so well. I was so on point. Um, I was having fun. And I knew that it was going to be my last couple games ever playing the game I loved. Played 16 years of football. My entire adult life, I had this one dream, this singular focus to be a football player and to compete at the highest level and play in the NFL. And it's one of those things that when you're doing it, you're, you're always trying to become better. You're always trying to stay in the league. They're always trying to replace you. So there's just this constant like, pressure to perform, anxiety, like, is this going to be my last year? Am I going to make the team? So you don't really have time to sit back and like really appreciate where you're at. But I knew that that was going to be my final season and it was a really beautiful opportunity. I was given to really play the game I loved 
um, you know, free of that pressure because I knew that that was it. There was like a finality about it. And it was such a gift given to me to go out there and play some of the best football my entire career. Uh, And knowing that I was walking away on my own terms and it wasn't because I wasn't good enough. It was because I wanted to walk away for me and challenge myself in new ways. So that's kind of my career up and down. Um, Then, you know, as I, there was a piece of me that was really excited about walking away from the game. It was, it was a lot. It was hard work, a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety. Um, and so there's a piece of me that was really excited about experiencing the freedom from all that for the first time. I've never really known what that's like to not have the pressure of trying to become the best version of myself on the field possible. So I was really looking forward to that. And, um, you know, there's a piece of me, obviously, I knew that was going to miss it. But I don't think anything really prepared me for, you know, a couple weeks after my final game. You know, once once the season's over, like all these guys, all your teammates are from all over the country. So everybody kind of leaves. And in the offseason in the NFL, you get like two to three months off. So everybody kind of leaves excited. You know, they get time off. They get to get their bodies back and recover and go see their families, go travel. So everybody leaves. So everybody left. There's a few teammates still in Tampa. But, you know, I was just sitting there in my uh, apartment. I just went through a big breakup. So there was still that weird missing energy, that rawness of that, uh, that, that breakup. And then, you know, the, the finality of my football career and this whole identity of who I was, you know, in the rearview mirror, it, it, it kind of all hit me at once. Um, just felt this, this void deep in my heart that something was missing. And I just broke down, just started bawling, crying. I felt very, very lonely, you know, very lost. Um, you know, it, was, it wasn't a very popular decision walking away um, kind of in my prime. I felt like I could have played a couple more years. And I think a lot of my friends didn't understand it. A lot of my, my family didn't really support or understand it. You know, how, they, didn't, they didn't get the, the difficulty and the challenges that come with playing in the NFL. And, you know, a lot of people see just the limelight, the money, the fame. And like, how could you just walk away from that in your prime? And it's, you know, it's because I was answering the call of my heart. I wasn't in it anymore. Um, but obviously, you know, a lot of guys, their careers are taken from them before, before they're ready. And I had given football, you know, everything I had and I was ready to move on. And it was still walking away on my own terms. I was unprepared for the void that it still left. And that, that hit me like a ton of bricks. Um, and so what I decided to do was go experience my freedom for the first time. And I knew I needed to move, keep moving. And I wanted to go experience life on my own terms. I had all this freedom now and I could go do whatever I wanted. And I knew I had an opportunity and some space to, to go you know, experience my freedom before I dove into whatever I wanted to do next. Um, I was really excited about getting involved in business and challenging myself in that way and becoming an entrepreneur. 
Um, I can talk more about that journey uh, later because that's been quite the journey as well. A lot of lessons there. Um, but I knew before I dove into whatever business I wanted to create or whatever opportunity would come next, that I wanted to go experience this freedom. And so I end up buying a van, a converted van, 2007 sports mobile Ford E350 cargo van. Um, I went to a local shelter. I rescued my dog, Freedom. Her name was Nina at the time, and I renamed her Freedom. Um, and I ended up giving away all my possessions, 70% of my closet to charity. Uh, I sold my Mercedes C300, um, learned the lesson of depreciation uh, the hard way. And basically, if it didn't fit in my van, I got rid of it. And I was ready for a fresh start, a new beginning. And I hit the road. And I traveled for the better part of two years. And um, on this road trip that just completely reshaped my life in so many profound ways. Um, you know, I answered the call and I, I, I went into the unknown and I learned so much about myself being on the road and, and connecting with like-minded people and experiencing as much as I could. I, I traveled a lot, not even just in the van, but, you know, I went to Machu Picchu with my, one of my best friends and um, went to a bunch of baseball games to get my sports fix. Um, listened to a lot of books, audible books, listened to a lot of podcasts. I learned a lot about myself. I did, I started, you know, journaling and writing and processing my story. Um, I've learned and deepened my meditation practice. Um, you know, I reconnected with my spirituality, um, you know, finding true meaning out in nature and connecting with nature and, um, so much, so much happened during the trip. And I feel now that the universe or God or whatever creator, creation, whatever you want to call it, uh, led me down this path for a reason. And, you know, it's led me to where I'm at now, which is that, that next opportunity that I was talking about and trying to find, you know, purpose, um, and direction outside of sports. And I feel very called to share that journey with other athletes. And I think this is an overarching story that is not just for athletes. Um, I think it's, there's a lot of unique challenges with the transition from professional sports because it's such a pinnacle experience and there's a bit of a fall from grace um, from that kind of heightened experience into like normal whatever normal is world. Um, but I think it relates to anybody going through any kind of transition in their life. Um, and you know, that's my intention with this podcast is to, is to inspire, you know, specifically other athletes, but anybody going through a transition to try and help them figure out how to find purpose and direction and how to navigate the unknown and do it from a place of love, trust, and faith rather than fear. Um, and so what I'm working on now is 
I'm actually launching a community for former male professional athletes on November 2nd. It's called the Heart Collective. It's going to be amazing. And I'm really excited about it. Um, you know, I've realized the one thing that's really missing for me, and I know for a lot of guys uh, leaving sports is, is the locker room. I think if uh, almost everybody I have asked, what do you miss the most? They, they say the locker room and the camaraderie and the guys. And um, I connect with that deeply. And one of the things that's missing for me is community. And I know the NFL and all these other sports leagues are trying to do a better job of providing resources for the former players community. Um, and they're doing a better job, but I still think there's something missing. And it's this, this community where we can just drop in with one another, support one another, uh, learn from one another, and, um, you know, just, I, my goal is to create a safe space where guys can come and talk about their experience in an open, honest, and vulnerable way. And the community is going to be a space for that. And, you know, if you join the community, you also are going to have access to a bunch of amazing content. Um, I'm going to bring on thought leaders from a variety of different fields. We're going to do in-person live experiential retreats throughout the year. Um, and, you know, this is going to be a lot of amazing content to help you on the journey of becoming the best version of yourself and reach your highest potential and find purpose and identity outside of sports. Um, and I feel like the best way to do that is doing it together. So if you're a former male professional athlete and you're interested and joining the community, or you want to find out more, you can go to theheartcollective.com. That's spelled H-A-R-T, collective.com. And, or you can find me on Instagram at joe.holly, um, or go to my website, joe-holly.com, and get in contact with me. Um, and I would love to, to hear more from you guys. Um, and if you're not a former athlete, and you can still go to the website, put your email in, and uh, keep up to date with what we're working on. Um, and I'm really excited about launching this thing and, and having it grow and really providing value to, you know, a community of brotherhoods. And it's not just for NFL guys. Uh, that's obviously my, um, my network that I'm closest to right now, but you know, any former professional athlete and, you know, we'd love to have any type of elite athlete, Olympic athlete. Um, and then, you know, eventually maybe some extreme sports as well. Um, all come with their own unique challenges. So yeah, I really appreciate y'all listening to my story, taking some time out of your day. Um, you know, football has provided an incredible amount of lessons in my life and has led to a lot of growth and has challenged me in ways, you know, mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually. and I've learned so much from it and I've realized that, you know, to make it that far and as far as I did is takes, takes a really kind of special mindset. And, you know, my, my big vision for this community is to make it to that such a pinnacle level takes a special kind of person. And once that's over, if we can come together and figure out how to channel that energy that it took to get to that point, into supporting one another and focusing in on ourselves and becoming the best versions of ourselves and 
questioning the self-limiting beliefs of why we can't and figuring out what we want to create in the world, we can come together and support one another on, on that journey. We can really make an impact and send ripples of positive change out into the world and, and we can do it together in, in a loving way. I'm really excited about that. And I'm excited about this podcast and bringing on an, a bunch of amazing guests. Um, if you guys have anybody that you'd like to hear their stories, don't hesitate. Reach out. Let me know. Um, I've already recorded a few, the next few episodes. Um, it's got some really good guests on there. And I'm really excited to get this thing rolling. Um, don't forget to hit the subscribe button and leave a rate and review down below. That would really help um, move this podcast up and get, get it out to the people that need to hear it. Thanks for listening. Talk to you guys on the next episode. Much love. <laughs>